the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Crossover, step back! Where the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia comes to get their sports live. Is this the Tiger? It is a great night to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be. Agent back to pass, rushed out of the pocket, throwing it downfield. It's into the end zone. Here are your hosts, Jordan Nice Warner, Luke Wiggs, and Parker Stone. It is Wednesday the 28th, and you are tuned in to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Good morning, fellas. Morning. What's good? How we doing? Pretty good. Not too bad. So you were getting pretty deep into some uh, NCAA. You got the football bug in a big way right now, so you're sending me pictures of playing NCAA football 2012 last night and things like that. You got, <clears throat> I'd say if you head on over to uh, Panhandle News Network, um, our website here in a little bit, be able to read a uh, WVU football article from old Parker, but you got the football bug in a big way here in the uh, end of June. That was fun. That's something I started. It was a pet project I did during the pandemic. Once everything got shut down, I was bored, and little brother had a PlayStation 3 out. I, this was, and I was like, okay, let's just knock this out. The goal was to build all-time teams for each college in the game mode, so that way if you want to play with, I don't know, Florida – for example, mm-hmm. since that's on our mind. You could throw passes with Tim Tebow to Percy Harvin, Jabbar Gaffney. Uh, what's the guy's name? Played for the Giants. I can't remember it off the top of my head. But Some fan. You, you, could, you, could, you could run with a <laughs> – I know. Well, Kadarius Tony's one, but there's another one. He's escaped. It'll pop – was it Ike Illiard? It might have been Ike Illiard. But then you could run the ball with Emmett Smith, Fred Taylor, and the like, and – have Joe Hayden and Javon Curse on the same defense or something mm. like that. So it, it was fun. So I did a little I did the old uh, Louisville and Kentucky rivalry last night. I I tell you what, Louisville has some nice black jerseys in the game. The ones that have the Ville on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh man. Having some fun throwing a uh, Lamar Jackson running and throwing passes to Tutu Atwell and <laughs> Dion Branch was a lot of fun last night. Well it's funny you bring up the rivalry thing because I found this chart from Big Game Boomer oh, yesterday yeah, unbelievably he's, interesting. He's, he's worn out his welcome. Well, I think it's interesting because I've never heard of hardly any of these rivalries. Like the moonshine throwdown is number one yeah. between Marshall and Western Kentucky. Didn't know that was a thing. I mean, Maryland's got a couple weird ones in here. Like the Beltway Brawl, who cares about Maryland and Virginia? Like stuff like that. I never heard of any most of these. Of course, Friends of Cold Bowl. Uh, the historical one between West Virginia and uh, Marshall, the Crab Bowl Classic. Maryland and Navy knew that one, but some of these were uh, pretty random, especially with a couple of different teams involved. A couple of things to that. First of all, Big Game Boomer lost my respect when he said that Wendy's was the number one burger place in Morgantown. That was really bad. I couldn't think of any other place. I couldn't think of a burger place in Morgantown. They've got a bunch of great places to get it. Mario's is unbelievable. Burgers and Bites is unbelievable. When I'm going to Morgantown, the last thing I'm thinking about is burgers. Well, yeah, but you're also not thinking, like, I can't wait to get to Morgantown so I can go to Wendy's. No, just get out of here. But um, I want to go to the Sheets that doesn't have a gas station downtown. That's what I want to do. <laughs> dude, that place is electric. This is awesome, dude. About 2 a.m. on a Saturday. Awesome. Let me tell you. You can't go to Rusted anymore. It's exactly. place to go on exactly. Uh But what I was going to say was Reddit, uh, actually, and I'm not on Reddit, but I saw the spillover from Reddit, uh, made an interesting discovery that there was a rivalry between West Virginia, Pitt, and Penn State uh, back mm-hmm. in the 1980s called yep. Old Ironsides. 
an old Ironsides is this disgusting-looking trophy that currently resides with Penn State because they were the last to win it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry, they won it and they were the last to have the trophy presented. And then when West Virginia reclaimed it a couple of years ago, Penn State claimed they didn't have it anymore. Ah. So the trophy is somewhere at Penn State University. And since the Mountaineers play both those teams this mm-hmm. year, Mountaineer fans are hoping that old Ironsides could make an appearance at one of these games. That's why. That's why regional... Uh, conferences are so great. You got all Absolutely. these different things, man. Instead of these mega conferences where you got what, like Southern Cal going all the way to the Absolutely. west or to the east coast for a game, and there's no point for fans to really watch other than because they want their team. But uh, I thought the Georgia Georgia Tech was a good name for uh, the clean old fashioned hate bowl. <laughs> Gotta love it. That's clean old fashioned hate bowl. The what? Tecmo Bowl between Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech. I love that one. That's a great name. Battle of the too. Milk Can between Boise State and Fresno State. Now, one of my favorites growing up when I, mean, I would play the college football games was playing the Michigan Michigan State game because you, you you win, you get to lift up the Paul Bunyan Trophy. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! Fantastic. Have you guys ever seen the uh, the funniest trophy in the history of sports? Is the um, I think it's the spring game trophy for Kansas football. The hmm. thing's like thirty feet tall. What? I I, 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 I believe it's for the spring game. I'll have to find it. Although, of course. Uh, on, on that list that everybody's heard of, I, it doesn't get better to me than the Egg Bowl. The, yeah, the, egg, the egg, egg Bowl's great. The Egg Bowl's where it's at. <laughs> 100 miles of hate between uh, uh, MTSU and Western one. Kentucky. is a good one. Farmageddon, of course. K-State, Iowa State, Holy War, BYU-Utah. That's a great one, too. Yeah, I thought that was a uh, pretty interesting chart from old Big Game Boomer, even though he's one of the bigger college so athletics trolls on uh, social media. This is the trophy for the Kansas State or Kansas football spring game. Jeez, why is it six, wow. six tiered <laughs> for, for a spring game? Wow, wow! It's about thirty feet tall. Here you go. What about this one? Deeper than deeper than hate between Appalachian State and Georgia Southern. That's mm. the name of that one, huh? Well, we were trying to figure out the uh, rivalry name between what was that? Uh, Washington, Washington and Jefferson. Jefferson. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe we can uh, the founding Come on, yeah, we need, maybe we, we can commandeer. Our game. And commandeer one of those maybe uh, somewhere down. Also, the line. did you guys know that Iowa State and West Virginia's like game is called the Riot Bowl? I had no, yeah, idea. Like that I had no, I had no idea, idea about idea. that. No that. clue. I thought West or did West Virginia or Marshall have one with uh, Western Kentucky? I think it was. Um, well, that was a hundred miles of hate. I think right. Well, the um, Western Kentucky one I think was the Moonshine Bowl. Moonshine yeah. Bowl. That's the number one. Right. That was the number one one. Uh, yeah, regional regional sports, man. Doesn't get much better than that, especially when you got these random rivalries all over the place. Uh, but speaking of more local sports, we had Little League Baseball in action well, the last couple of days, but big time last night. And I've been hearing, because downtown you have the Oatsdale Park, then you have um, P.O. Faulkner Park, and I'm right in the middle of it. And it sounds like I'm in a stadium walking around downtown with the fans and the parents <laughs> cheering and yelling. I can hear from all over uh, the town. But for good reason, Luke, because there were some good games the last couple of days. Yeah, and they've got a good facility over there. You've got a video board, you know, good crowds. People get out behind the center field wall and they set up tents. I was there last year when they had the state tournament, and it was a ton of fun. They make some noise. And I would encourage everybody uh, to pick up a copy of the Martinsburg Journal today because their coverage on this has been great. Uh, basically, just in this little local region, you have the two winners that are advancing, and it's Martinsburg and Hedgesville. And Hedgesville had an electric game yesterday, like you said, uh, against Morgan County. 5-1 to one was the, the final. But what was electrifying about this age group this year, and what I understand and talking to you know Kozlowski and, all the, and reading what he's written about this, this is the first time in a long time that Jefferson hasn't made it further in the the tournament than these other teams. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Morgan mm-hmm. County coming 
uh, all the way to this final to have a chance to go to District 6, which unfortunately they came up just a game short. That hadn't happened in a long time. So, you know, Morgan County makes it further than they had in a while. Jefferson makes it less further than they've had in a while. And it just shows that there's a little bit more baseball parity, hopefully, coming to the area. You know, in a couple of years, these kids are going to be 16, playing yep. for their high schools, and we'll be doing their games. And, you know, who knows what, what that's going to mean long term. But uh, Hedgesville wins that game 5-1. Uh, to one. Carter Board hits a home run that ends up kind of being the deciding hit in the game. Uh, and Martinsburg will advance with Hedgesville again to that District 6 tournament. So it'll be Hedgesville against Pendleton County. I believe this is in Grant County. 4 p.m. on Saturday. Martinsburg will take on Moorefield in the game right after that. Wish these teams the best of luck. And it's going to be fun to see, you know, again, these kids down the line, what schools are going to be representing and how competitive those schools are going to be. Yeah, Little League All-Star Baseball is always so much fun. You get the whole community together. You know, everybody comes for these uh, big-time games. Like I said, it sounds it sounded like there was 10,000 people at these games. I literally could hear it. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if I would have come up here to the station if I still wouldn't be able to hear uh, all the fans around. But you know how it is around here when it comes to uh, especially these All-Star teams, these travel teams and things. The uh, community definitely supports them and surrounds them, and uh, for good reason because there's some good ball being played. Yeah, absolutely. This this is known as a baseball breeding ground in the Eastern Panhandle. Some of the best teams that were in in the run to the state tournament this past season were all the teams in the Eastern Panhandle. And seeing this getting started with the Little League ranks is always great to see the next generation of these high school players. Who's going to be the next Lane DeLotter on the mound? Who's going to be the next big-time hitter? Who's going to be the next Baden Hartman who can knock one out? Who's going to be the next Brett Pedersen? Who's who are these guys that are going to be the next generation of players to come up in the Eastern Panhandle? And these kids are showing it right now. It's Martinsburg and Hedgesville teams. They go to the District 6 tournament, and that's really cool. And awesome for Morgan County, too, to get to that point. I know that's an area that's been kind of – there's a lot of question marks, honestly, with a lot of the movement and stuff going on with this one-time transfer rule in West Virginia. Morgan County's kind of on an island out there. It's, it's the school that's – away a little bit from the rest of the teams in the Eastern Panhandle. And for them to make this run, I think, is really cool, too. Well, you can always get in touch with us, 304-263-4321. You can text us at EP News Network. The saga with Josh Eilert and WVU basketball is still ongoing and unfolding right before our eyes. And uh, he was on Sportsline last night with Coach Hunter, with Caridi and Brad Howe and the folks, and uh, had some interesting words, especially about the personnel and how he's handling uh, that going forward. How are you handling that puzzle of, guys you want to keep, but you're also looking for some reinforcements as well. I mean, we're always looking and keeping keeping our options and scouring the portal and, uh, you know, putting feelers out there. But I don't want to – my main priority is the guys, you know, in the portal right now that haven't gone. The Joe Toussaint's of the world, the Mo Wagis, those are those are guys that I want to – that's my main priority. Those are guys I can trust guys that uh, I feel very comfortable with they're tough and I know what I'm gonna get out of them and they've been here developing for a year and I want those guys that's, that's my first priority if we don't get there we don't get there but when we'll move on um, but it is tough because the time is ticking time is ticking and you I feel that pressure it is almost July and, and things are gonna move pretty fast here as we you know, move through the summer. Yeah. So, Josh, how are you handling? You mentioned the two players right there in Mo and uh, Joe Toussaint. Um, have they given you at least the acknowledgement that they'll give you the opportunity to speak after they conduct their their visits? They've been great. They've been absolutely great. So they've been uh, very forthright on their conversations. Um, and, and I have 
very good relationships with both of them. And, and I feel good. It's just, you know, it's hard when 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 kids got to go through these situations and they go on visits, and then they got to filter through the BS and the, and the promises and and go through that whole thing again. So they might come come back thinking, man, I don't know, I just don't know if I can trust those people. And I know what I got with Coach Eilert and, and the staff there at West Virginia. So hopefully that they they feel that and they feel that love and they come back to it. Yeah, that's Josh Eilert, West Virginia basketball interim. Head coach at the moment was on Sportsline with Tony, Brad, and Coach Hunter. So he's pretty much just been saying the same things over and over, obviously, because he hasn't had too much time to really get uh, the gears in motion full swing. But, I mean, do you think – what's the chances of him getting these guys back? Is it is it enough just that he's been a part of the program? It seems like some of the guys like him. Is that enough to keep him there, or do you think they're going to go off and maybe, uh, you know, like with Kentucky and things like that, these bigger schools are going to call and where they got a little bit more money, a little bit more backing. Do you think that's going to start drawing them? Uh, I mean, where is this going at the moment? I think you just kind of have to go person by person with these players, and you ask the question, you know, where are you going to get it better? You know, and Mo Wagis, he's visiting a lot of Big 12 schools. He's not going to be able to go anywhere and start. Aconquo, same thing. I don't know what his offer sheet is. Toussaint, maybe. Although Toussaint, frankly... I love him to death. He's a good player, but he's somebody that you can lose. And in Perez's case, I don't know who wants to touch Perez because he hasn't played basketball in over a year. Right. You know, so it's just like, I don't know. And I, I, I like Dylert's answer to the question in so much as he wants to keep the guys because he wants, he's a big, he's big on loyalty. That's why he's the current head coach because he's been loyal to this program for 16 years. But he, he said, I want these guys to come back because I know them and I trust them. But if they're not going to come back, there's no use crying over it, and we're going to go get somebody else because that's just what college basketball is now, which I think is the correct answer to that. He's not, you know, he I, I, he would say it anyways, but he's not going on there and saying, man, if Jose Perez leaves, we have no team. You know, if if these forwards leave, we're going to stink this year. It's going to be like when we had to go out and get Polly Polly capping those guys. But instead, he's saying we want him to stay. We trust him. We're, we want him to be loyal. We we like what they can do for the program. But if not, all right, we'll get somebody else, and then that's their problem. And I, I think that was the correct answer to that question. And that's all you really can do, right? It's just you can recruit these guys the best you can, and then if they take another offer, you just, you got to go into the portal. I saw that a report there's like 500-plus names still in the NCAA basketball transfer portal right now, and there's athletes still looking for homes. You can enter the transfer portal, but that doesn't mean you're going to get pulled out immediately. There's still plenty of players in the transfer portal right now, so – if things don't go the Mountain years way and they aren't able to secure guys like Joe Toussaint, Mowagi, and the like, you can go hunting in the portal because we know even if they're able to retain most of these guys, they still need front court depth, especially with the departure of Trey Mitchell. They got to get another four or five on that roster, and the depth I think is going to be really important right now. You've got three guys that you know are secured and locked in for this season in Edwards, Cresha, and Raekwon Battle. Now you kind of got to fill out that roster behind them. Is Joe Toussaint a lost cause? Because we know he's visiting Kansas State. We know he's going to be visiting Texas Tech. I know Alabama's reached out as well. He just added Nebraska too. Hey. Nebraska, if if he feels like they're relevant in basketball in any sort of way. There's a, I haven't heard anything of a conquo just yet. I know at least North Carolina's reached out to Milwaukee about potentially. Now, the thing is, Whatever these players are looking for, whether it's more NIL money, whether that's more playing time. In a case of Mo Wagi, if he goes to North Carolina, he's going to be rounding out their bench. It, it is what it is. And Mo Wagi has a chance to start for the Mountaineers this season, especially with the departure of Mitchell. 
I I well, it just depends on what these players are looking for. I guess is the best way to put it. If you want to go get more playing time and start somewhere, like in the case of Joe Toussaint, he's probably going to be coming off the bench if Jose Perez stays. Which, if he wants to go try and go start for a Texas Tech or Nebraska, more power to him. Go get more playing time. But if he wants to leverage more money, I also understand that too. We live in a new world of college sports where you can leverage this type of thing with money. And I saw somebody talking about this too. I want to get you guys' perspective on this. With how NIL is right now, do you think we need tweaks and changes to make it almost like professional contracts? Because they're really right now, it's basically any time you can enter free agency. Like you could. Well, the money's not coming from schools, right? Yeah, it's coming from right. It's coming uh, from yeah. private from, people. From those, right? Well, there. and this launches into a discussion that the guys at Metro News had. You know, uh, it was Hoppy that was upset. You know, these guys could be leaving. Kirk Reese has gotten all this NIL money. He could be leaving, and he hasn't played a single game. But I, I think people miss the point of NIL, and I agree with what you're saying mm-hmm. because it's frustrating to fans, but you're not getting paid by these companies for your play. Technically, you're getting paid for your name, right, your, your image, likeness. and your likeness. Yeah. You're getting mm-hmm. paid to show up at a car dealership and sign autographs. You're getting paid to voice a commercial. That's what you're getting paid for. Obviously, they wouldn't do that to, unless you were a star player for the Mountaineer basketball team. That's the appeal of it, but... That's where the disconnect is with these guys leaving early. I mean, Kirk Creaso already did his Toothman Ford whatever and his Little General whatever and his whatever. So that's why he's getting paid. I get what you're saying about yeah. trying to get these guys kind of in these ironclad agreements. But I just, in terms of what name, limit, image, and likeness is, there's really no way to make it more concrete than it is right now. We'll get in touch with us, 304-263-4321. Got to get to our first break. We'll be back after this on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Tweet the guys at EP Sports Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live. I'm Jordan Icewinner alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. You can always get in touch with us. You can text us 304-263-4321 or you can shoot us a message on Twitter at EP Sports Network. Of course, we are your home for Baltimore Orioles baseball. They lost 3-1 to last night after yet another delayed game. Uh, this time because all that rain just kind of sat right there on the uh, I-95 corridor between Baltimore and D.C. But they lose 10-3 in Game 1, and they or they win 10-3, rather, in Game 1. Then they lose 3-1 today, or yesterday, and they got another game today at 7.05. So what are we thinking about this series with the uh, Reds and the O's? Tough one, uh, unfortunately, because I, I, my big pet peeve is when you waste great starts, and that's what they did with Tyler Wells. I was listening to the broadcast yesterday before the delay, and the Orioles broadcasters talking about how Tyler Wells is about the most underappreciated pitcher in the American League right now. His batting average against was the second best in baseball behind Shohei Otani, who will be talked about later on in the show. Mm. Um, but, you know, you weren't going to sweep. Again, every series we look at from this point for the Orioles is you got to take two out of three. And this is still a really talented Reds team. It's a shame, again, that you blow a bad start and you do so in so much as the middle of the lineup, six through seven. They only had for, three hits. Yeah, they were hitless. Yeah. It was It was... Friedel was two for four. McLean hit that home run. He was two for four. I think he had a sacrifice fly as well. Uh, and then Will Benson sprinkled in a hit just for good measure at the bottom of the lineup. So you did everything right. It's just unfortunately your offense didn't show up in this game. You know, Andrew Abbott is an interesting pitcher. He's only 24 years old. He's a long-term back-of-the-rotation piece for the Reds. But he shouldn't look that dominant against you. He shouldn't go pitch for pitch with Taylor Wells when you've got a, an offense like the Orioles do. But it is what it is. 
and I have a feeling that back-to-back rain delays have something to do with that. Long rain delays, too. Exactly. So you got a game today. I honestly haven't looked at the weather. Should be good today. Okay. (laughs) Fingers crossed. But you got the game tonight at 7 o'clock right here on WBPM and WCST. And uh, if you win this one tonight, you know, no harm, no foul, water under the bridge. And like you said... Uh, radar looks like it's going to be a crisp 65 degrees around uh, low 70s. Around I was going to say 65. My <laughs> goodness, that is pretty cool. Low for, 70s well, and uh, no rain. What I've found most interesting in the series is how they've been able to really bottle up Ellie De La Cruz, Parker. I mean, he's 0 for, he's 0 for 8 on the series so far. Yeah, he has not had a good series at all. It's you, I guess we can call it a cool down from what was a amazing red-hot start for Ellie De La Cruz. He struck out twice in this game. He's just not on it right now. And for a Reds team that only had five hits in this game, I think that's the biggest takeaway. You, you only allow five hits, but you lose three to one. And that, that's got to change. That's not winning playoff baseball if you're a Baltimore fan. You got to see better production from your lineup. Gunnar Henderson goes one for four. Westberg has a great game. He's having a really good call up, two for three in this one. And then other than that, you only you only get three hits in this game. Mm-hmm. It's The offense has to get better, whether that's Rutschman, who's in a little bit of a slump right now, whether it's Cedric Mullins, who's made his way back into the lineup. He's doing a little bit of pinch hitting. And, guys, it goes back to the conversation we've had multiple times. Do the Orioles need to find a middle-of-the-lineup bat to kind of spark things yeah. up, or do they do they need to get somebody else into that lineup to really get some life into it? Santander goes 0 for 4 with a strikeout. Austin Hayes goes 0 for 4 with a strikeout and a walk. It's, it's that type of things that – where do they need the help at? And as we creep closer and closer up to the MLB trade deadline, are the Oriole or the are the O's going to be buyers at this deadline? Are they going to go try and find a bullpen piece or that starting pitcher maybe that they need for the back end of their lineup or that middle of the lineup bat from a team that is trying to sell off? So I, it's one of those three. I think if they are going to buy at the deadline, it's obvious it's going to be one of the three if they pull the trigger, I think is the biggest question because I know they want to keep a lot of their prospects. They have the best farm system in baseball still after all these call-ups. So I think that's really what it boils down to. How much do the O's think they're in win now or, well, we'll really try and contend for a World Series here in about a year or two. Well, they're back in action tonight. 7.05 first pitch. O's sending Kyle Gibson out on the mound. Luke Weaver will be out there for the Reds. Uh, minus one and a half on the run line for the O's. So we'll see if they can't win the series. And again, you can listen to that right here on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. And you brought up Shohei Otani. We'll get to him after the break. But talk about a tale of two different pitchers. You got Shohei Otani, I mean, the best pitcher of... He's already a Hall of Famer at this point, in my opinion. <laughs> then you got Alec Noah. My goodness. He looked like he was potentially going on a uh, you know a superstar path with his pitching, especially last year. And then, my goodness, uh, I don't know if it was the rules, if it was maybe his preparation in the offseason, the rule change preparation offseason, something like that. But he has certainly gone at way downhill, not even up in the bigs anymore. And then in his first game in rookie ball, he's <laughs> way ball. down at rookie, rookie ball. And the Florida Complex, or uh, Florida League, he went two, 2.2 innings, 11 earned runs, gave up 10 hits, two homers, only struck out three, and walked two. I mean, is it as easy as saying, you know, maybe he just got too you know, wrapped up trying to get himself right for the new rules that he just wasn't able to work on his game? I mean, what is the, what's the problem with Alec Manoa? Nobody that got a hit off of him in this start was over 20 years old, which is unbelievable to think about. It was 18, 19, 20, all, all in that age range. At first, it was easy for me to say early to diagnose what was wrong with Manoa. It was the pitch clock, and we talked about that extensively. He's a big guy. He's out of breath. Pitch clock forcing him to work faster, and he was leaving balls over the plate. 
Now I have no idea. I mean, he needs to go down and dominate in this start, or at the very least, I, like I don't know if he was just throwing fastballs because this doesn't make any sense that mm-hmm. he went down and just completely capitulated to a bunch of teenagers. Uh, so I don't have an answer for him anymore. I mean, if his second starts this bad, you might start talking about the end of his career. Yeah, because seriously. It's, it's getting really, really problematic for somebody that was so talented. I was a bulldog. He went after people. You know, I don't know if he needs to get in shape. I don't know if he needs to see a psychiatrist. I don't know what he needs to do. But, I mean, this isn't normal. I mean, this is not normal for somebody to be a Cy Young candidate and then get dominated like this throughout the regular season, go down to rookie ball and – you know, he needs a lot of help right now. I can't imagine what's going on in his mind, but I also can't figure out how he has slipped this badly from where he was in college to where he was in the minors to where he was as a professional to now. I'll I mean, say it right now. I think his career is done. Well, look back at the All-Star game last year. He was telling people, he was telling what pitches he was going to throw and dominating dudes in the All-Star game last year. Now he's getting beat up by high school kids. He's got a great three-pitch mix. He's got a great mindset, or he did. He yeah. a great mindset <laughs> for a pitcher. I think that's long gone at this point. His yeah. debut against the Yankees was unbelievable. I watched it live. He went after Aaron Judge. He, he just kept throwing inside, jamming these guys, getting weak contact, striking out hitters. I mean, it was unbelievable. And that's mm-hmm. how he pitched. And then... You know, the pitch clock comes in, you know, he gets a little bit more notoriety. Is it a pressure thing? Is it a pitch clock thing? Is it a mental thing? I don't know. But, I mean, it's a bad look, unfortunately, for WVU because you're in a point right now where Michael Grove can't come up for the Dodgers. John Means seems to prolong his Tommy John surgery recovery every every day. I have no idea when he's coming back. You know, Ryan McBroom's gone. He's not with the, or, or the uh, Royals anymore. You know, you need that next Mountaineer to kind of save some grace. You know, we're a few years away from J.J. Weatherholt. Mm-hmm. So, you know, hopefully Manoa can figure it out, but I, I I don't know. Well, what does it take from this point to get Manoa back to at least somewhat of what he used to be? Yeah. Well, that's it's all what, on him at this, this point. This was yeah. supposed to be a confidence yeah. start. This was yeah. supposed to be, here's a bunch of kids that have never seen Major League pitching, and we're going to send you down there. That's why they sent him here instead of double or triple A. It was, all right, Alec, go out and strike out 10 guys, and then we'll water under the bridge to help your psyche. And then they just made it worse. <laughs> yeah. so somebody on Twitter brought up, is this the biggest drop-off of all time? <sighs> and then somebody under that put Rick Ankiel. Yeah, Rick Ankiel was, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Rick Rick Ankiel was pretty But he reinvented himself and he, came he back and positions. balled, man. He had some of the greatest putouts in center field in yeah. baseball history. But, yeah, I mean, Rick Ankiel is, I mean, maybe Jeremy Lin. I don't know. Insanity was it would grip the nation for a while. I don't know, man. Maybe if he'd have just... Ryan uh, Leaf. Ryan Leaf. Maybe if uh, Manoa would have just recognized his, you know, the three Mountaineer fans that were there for him in spring training this year, <laughs> it all maybe would have all switched around, you know, instead of completely blowing so us off. Let me, uh, I, I guess, let me ask you this then, because you might be the one that's perpetuating this curse right now. Good. On be- <laughs> so, I'm here on behalf it. of Mountaineer Nation, are you unwilling to lift the curse nope. at this time? All right. No, because I feel like as little as I could represent Mountaineer Nation, <laughs> I guess, especially in that moment, all he could have done was just been like a. Well, wave, you know, maybe even just a, a tip of the cap. But no, he looked. We were on the right field foul line. He looked to the left field corner and walked right past us and didn't say a single word. So, look, if there's any other Mountaineer fans that would have done the same thing, he would probably would have done the same thing. So I think, yes, I'm here to perpetuate. So this. moral of the story, don't draw the ire of Jordan Ice Warner. Yeah. Is if, if, Me if, or Frank the Tank. Either one. Don't, don't draw the ire or else you will get touched up by a bunch of 19 and 20-year-olds right. pl- playing at the level of Division three or Division two baseball. And boy, did he ever. Boy, did he ever. But Texas 30426. We'll be back after this on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Panhandle Sports Live, your home for sports in the Panhandle. Here's Jordan, Luke, and Parker. 
Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hobby Kirchable Building. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. You can always get in touch with us. Text us 304-263-4321. You can tweet us at EP Sports Network. Before we get into uh, talking about Shohei Otani's unbelievable game last night, unbelievable career he's already been uh, you know, putting together. Parker, you got to tell me what kind of – so we were talking off air for, of course, nobody heard what we were talking about. Uh, but we were talking about food poisoning because one of the guys in the station uh, might have gotten some food poisoning last night. Parker, you said you thought you were going to uh, have some food poisoning because you were grilling last night. So you and I live in the same apartment building. And as soon as you said that, I was like – where are you grilling at? And uh, you said, and if Luke was like, well, you just put some on the stove. And he's like, no, but you don't have a George Foreman. It's not a George You don't Foreman. have a char. I hope you don't have a charcoal grill in the apartment. No, building. no. So how are you, what are you using? So here, it's like this, if you've seen these before. Have you seen those? The Ninja Foodie Grill. I don't know if it's exactly that mm. foodie grill. Uh, so two questions. What did you make? Yeah. That was some burger, fresh meat. Okay, so you made hamburgers. Yeah. Okay. And is there smoke that comes off of this thing? Or steam? Or? Did you it's like it? steam, I think, kind of, <laughs> is the way Are you goes. breathing okay? <laughs> yeah. Did you okay. have a window open? Maybe that's why our air quality is so bad <laughs> around here today. <laughs> did, you, did you open a window? <laughs> no, it just rose. <laughs> It's just put it on. Just put it on top of the stove, and you got the fan. Yeah, and the yeah it's good. it's got a fan in it. Did so you it turn the fan on in the stove? Oh, then. Yeah, oh it, it's got a fan. Yeah, in it's the, got a, it's got a fan in the system that operates when it gets hot. I got. You. So here's the wild story. So we found this grill. This grill. Oh, so this found is a this found somewhere. grill. <laughs> well, hold on, hold on. This didn't come from a store. So this, this came from a flea market. This originated from my last year of college a couple years ago, and one of the guys who was friends with one of the friends who I lived with in our apartment. Randomly found this grill on oh the side of the gosh. dorms oh and brought gosh. it to our apartment. So <laughs> I guarantee you that thing. How many times have you cleaned it? Oh, I've cleaned it a good bit. All right, good. Yeah, it's, that's a good answer. Yeah, I, I wipe it down. Because you know that thing time. got used probably pretty soon after you found it, and it did not. Get yeah, I was well, going to say in a college dorm, who knows? That's not getting. Yeah, when we brought it in, that. we cleaned it up and everything we needed to. It looked pretty clean when it came in, but well, we did a little extensive. You know, now I think about it. Well, that's like the third or fourth story I think you've told me where you and your buddies that you lived with in college were just finding yeah, furniture what, what and things and taking it in. What goes on down at Concord that you, you guys can't couches, fend for yourself? I mean, uh, entertainment Guys, I found centers. this loofah in the woods. Yeah. Praise be. There's, Athens was a wild time that last year with everything going on, especially th- that that core group of myself and those two guys who I roomed with. Shout out to the homies. They were th- That was a legendary year. I don't know if that will ever be replicated. <laughs> it was what, a movie, man. It, well, it was Animal House. It was it was a time, and especially and especially with what we had to go through with the uh, coming back from COVID protocols. And oh all that yeah, 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 I got what yeah, you're saying. So, kinda, so so text question of the day. Given all the information that you've just been given by Parker Stone, how much well, danger did he put? Everybody? Well, no, <laughs> on a scale from one will, to ten, willingly, willingly, if Parker Stone would make you a hamburger, a cheeseburger, and put it on a plate. Would you eat the whole thing? That's our with good, all. Real good. Yeah, I would do that. All of the. Marsh is saying yes as well. Yeah, I'd do that too. I don't know. I'm a little trepidatious. Well, how do you cook your burgers? I'll get in the burger. Is there burger pink in me. there? Just a little bit. Just a little pink. Yeah, I, don't know. I think I'm out. it's like medium well is what I try and go oh, for. Yeah. Medium to medium well. I think all you right. got some worms in your stomach this morning, my guy. I hope not. <laughs> I I had the thing on 400 degrees grilling for at least 20 to 25 minutes. That's what I'm telling you. Sounds like a hockey puck. You guys, you guys yeah. don't have air fryers, do you? No, I didn't. I don't know. I mean, my, my, you. Greatest, my dad's been I use to get that. Me on it. I use my air fryer literally every day yeah, for everything. I've cooked. I've cooked pancakes in it. People are cooking <laughs> pasta in them now, that filling them up awesome. with water and doing that, which it looks good. But I don't know if I could 
necessarily trust dumping a bunch of water in that thing. But uh, no. you get you an air fryer, that might uh, safen some. That's been trying to put me on for a while to an air fryer. He's the really best. Yeah, like breakfast sandwiches in them. I just hope you didn't hotbox yourself with hamburger smoke yesterday. You know, that's that's what I'm I hope about. I don't. I don't hope I don't have some creepy crawlies growing in my stomach this morning. That's <laughs> nah, what I'm more concerned about. You'd be feeling it by now. Yeah, I was. I was a little nervous last night. I don't know what. I don't know what it was. I don't know if I, I just. <laughs> I could just picture Parker with his little his little stove, right? His little stove top thing, cooking it, all happy. He got smoke everywhere. He's having a blast. Got music playing, whatever. Then he looks at this burger. And he's like, "Should I eat this?" <laughs> And he goes, yeah, yeah, it and it goes for it. It's, it's, like, yeah. it's like, yeah, it's not too bad. And it's like, I've made a grave mistake. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, since we've uh, already used most of this segment up, let's just jump into Shohei Otani. Last night, two home runs, 10 strikeouts. What a game for Shohei Otani. I, I literally think he's, I mean, he's really, at this point, the greatest base, going to be the greatest baseball of all time, if not really already there. I mean, it, just the way that he's doing this at such a high level on both sides of the of the diamond, if you will, is incredible. I mean, he's already up to almost 30 home runs this season. He's one of the best pitchers already in the year. So I, I don't see this ever stopping. And he seems like a great guy, too, which is another thing, too. He seems like a super nice, humble dude. It seems like all of his uh, fans and his teammates in front office like him. So I think Shohei's I mean, he's the best. Yeah, he's, I, uh, people are trying to stop saying, calling people the GOAT, but I think he's the GOAT. <laughs> He is the best in baseball right now. There's no question about it. I mean, he's leading baseball in strikeouts per nine as a pitcher while also leading in home runs, RBI, OPS, slugging percentage, total bases, OPS plus, et cetera. Ooh. I mean, he is special. And he's, he's still pitching. Exactly. I mean, it, it, it that somebody did um, the math on it yesterday. Like, how much would you offer Shohei Otani, the hitter? Let and, him name it. And Shohei Otani, the pitcher, separately. And both are in the range of three hundred fifty to four hundred million dollars. I mean, is he going to be a billion dollar athlete? I mean, it's going to be unbelievable to see what that what, what that turns into. He's the best in baseball right now in terms of the greatest of all time. I think he's got a chance. He's man. got. I mean, this three year stretch you'd have to argue is the best in baseball history. I mean, he's still got a few years left. He's only twenty eight. I mean, mm-hmm. he's got three, four, five years left in his prime. The only thing that's going to go down is his foot speed. You know, he can continue to do this at a high level. I mean, who knows if he could pitch until he's 38. You know, and people don't ding Ichiro for coming over to Major League Baseball until he was, he was in his late 20s. Mm-hmm. So I hope they don't do the same thing to Shohei. I mean, you know, I was listening to St. Louis Sports Radio yesterday about what would you give up to give up to get Shohei Otani? Everything. Everything. Absolutely. Everything. I mean, because yeah. he, solves, he solves multiple problems. He gives you middle of the lineup. I mean, the Orioles need a middle of the lineup hitter right now, and they need a number <laughs> They're four World Series five champions starter. if he goes to ball. I think so, oh, too. Easily. And I'm not, I'm not implying. Don't say Luke Wiggs, radio host, says that they're going to trade for Shohei because I don't know. That, I don't think He's not going to play for the Orioles. I'm sorry. <laughs> Orioles don't but got There's not enough money in the state of Maryland my, for Shohei my, my point being, uh, any team he goes to, he solves a number of issues right away. He's immediately your best base runner, your best hitter, your best starting pitcher. So, I mean, it, it's a no-brainer for teams that, that want to try to acquire him uh, if he doesn't stick around with the, He needs to get away from the Angels. Yeah. Mike Trout yeah. has showed us that. He needs to get on know, the East Coast. Mike Trout was loyal, and I love it, but now it's, he's probably regretting signing that contract. You're right. He needs to go on the East Coast. He needs to He needs to go to a big it's market. not New York. Oh, the yeah, last thing I need is him to go to the Yankees. Although, Can you imagine if we'd have gotten him at 20? 21 years oh old. My oh, my gosh. That would have been nuts. You know, uh, Steve Cohen's having that press conference. That's today, isn't it? For, yeah. Uh, the Mets. Yeah. I mean, he'd be an interesting place for him to go if he wanted to go to the – I could, wanted to, uh, I could swallow the, him going to the Mets a lot better than the Yankees. Yeah. I think so. I, like, that's a, I guess that's another good question. Like, where would you want to see Shohei go? Like, I don't want to see him go to L.A., the Dodgers. I mean, right. I don't want to see him go to the Yankees. I don't want to see him go to the Cubs. Like, what's a good – I mean, obviously, I want to see him go to the Cardinals. What's a good landing – Atlanta – 
That's a that's a dark. If there's a trade, that's a dark horse spot for him to go. Is Atlanta? It'd be fun to see him go to Toronto, maybe. But I don't think Toronto could afford him. Mm. That that but, and he's not going to go anywhere else in his own division. No. So I don't I don't I don't know where I'd. I'd, I'd I think the Padres are another sneaky <laughs> team to go. Oh, uh, don't way do too. that. They're I, a super team, dude. It's but they're not playing good. Eh, that's the problem. But they have the pieces to be yeah. playing good. They do. The they do. I don't do. want to see him go to San Diego. Now I will say this: I think Shohei Itani is going to make history. I think he will be sports ever one billion dollar contract. Yeah, I mean, I think he, he should at this point. I I think he will break the one billion dollar barrier in sports contracts mm. whenever that comes. What about Philly? You see him going to Philadelphia? Uh, they've got the money, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if he'd want to go there. Yeah. yeah. Could you imagine Shohei Otani in Philadelphia? That'd be awful. Would be awful. As a Nats <laughs> fan, it would be awful. Uh, I don't even know why I brought it up, honestly. Philly <laughs> Philly fans do not deserve Shohei Otani. I'll say that right now. <laughs> I'll, I'll get that out of the already way. got enough. They got Trey. They got Bryce. They got everybody they need. But the thing is, too, some people were like talking about like comparisons for what Shohei Otani is doing, and people were like saying, "Well, imagine Patrick Mahomes throwing for four touchdowns and then getting two sacks and a forced fumble in a game." This is essentially what it, Shohei Otani is doing right now. Imagine, uh, I don't even know if there's another real. There really isn't another there sport is a, equivalent. No, there is. It's it's basically or like Derrick Henry runs for two hundred yards and two touchdowns. And maybe, maybe Michael Jordan. Because he was a good defender as well, yeah. As, as yeah. much as he was a scorer, so maybe that, but that's even a little bit of a stretch. Because yeah. he just is, he's he's a freak, dude. And he, it's a shame for baseball's perspective that these two guys are on the Angels. Because mm-hmm. I mean, Mike Trout has passed his physical prime. He's still going to be an All Star level player, but he's not as good as he was. He wasted away on, and made the playoffs one time. You know, the thing is, you need to have Shohei in the postseason, and you need to have Shohei potentially being a champion. You know, the NBA does a really good job, really good job of marketing their best stars, if not as champions. They get to the postseason. Yep. You know, that's what's important. I mean, James Harden still made the playoffs. You know, Kevin Durant made the playoffs. LeBron James made the playoffs. That That's what baseball's kind of got going against it right now is you've got very, very, very talented players that don't ever sniff postseason success, and that's something that needs to change. That's where you think Trout goes. I think he, I think he probably ends his career years down the line in Philadelphia, just go back home, one of those type of things. But where do you think his next landing spot is, if there ever is a next landing spot? I think Philadelphia is the correct answer. I think he should have went. I think there was a possibility at one point you could have had him, Bryce Harper, and Chris Bryant on the outfield of Philadelphia. But I I think eventually Trout is going to find a way out of Los Angeles. And Philadelphia Philadelphia seems like the most ideal landing spot. I mean, get him to play with Bryce Harper again. He's from there. It, It makes a lot of sense. If not Philadelphia, I mean, I hate saying this, but... Maybe the pinstripes. Maybe eh. maybe have them go play. I mean, they're the, the only Yankees. person that can yeah. team that can eat that him. contract without yeah. much of a problem right now. Hmm. Well, you can always text us three zero four two six three four three two one. Tweet us at EP Sports Network. We got to get to our final break. When we come back, we'll wrap things up and get Parker's picks on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Mix up your sports coverage with Panhandle Sports Live, heard on the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hobby Kirchville building. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 luck. Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Prove it, it's never fails. Never failed once. Case in point, Fridays are better than Mondays. We went flawless on Friday. We sadly struck out yesterday, went over three in our picks as the AL East slate was not for us yesterday. The Blue Jays get beat by the Giants. The Rays lose by two runs to the Diamondbacks. And, of course, the Orioles lost to the Reds last night. But 
It's time to recover. Time to get another perfect slate for this week. We're going to go to today's lock. It is going to be the Padres beating the Pittsburgh Pirates is today's lock of the day. Blake Snell on the mound for San Diego. His last pitching outing was fantastic. It's a left-handed batter or a left-handed pitcher, however. And I think that with the Pirates lineup, I mean, you see a couple guys who were able to hit. I mean, McCutcheon's all right, but, I mean, nothing really in that lineup's really impressing me. Henry Davis has been okay since being called up. He's had a couple flashes, but I think the Padres lineup right now is just too potent. Now, the now the Pirates are pitching Mitch Keller, so that's a little bit of a concern. Okay. But I feel like with this lineup they got right now, they got to get the bats going for San Diego because this team is too talented to not – get into the playoffs and they got to really fight right now because Arizona's playing good ball. The Dodgers have the pieces to make a run. They got to really start great gaining some ground in this national league West. So I'm taking San Diego to get the win over Pittsburgh today is today's lock of the day. Phillies also get the win over the Cubs. They won last night. I think they went again. Philadelphia's bats are starting to wake up a little bit. Kyle Schwarber's getting out of a slump. And I feel like this is going to continue into today with Aaron Nola pitching for Philadelphia. I got the Phillies taking down the Cubs on the road as well as I got the Guardians taking down the Royals for the second straight night. Did you guys see that clip of Bo Naylor last night? Like 360 no-scope. Oh, yes, yeah, it was insane. Unbelievable. It was insane. No, it's, that's, that's really good because I know the Guardians really needed a big-time catcher because, phew, my, Mike Zanino is not what he was in Tampa. Goodness. He was – no, he's not been good. <laughs> I'll keep it at that for Cleveland. But – yeah, I think they get the win over the Royals. I've mentioned before the Royals are one of the worst teams in baseball. They're up there with the Oakland A's right now. They just cannot piece it together. So I'm going with the Cleveland Guardians to get the win and say try to slowly get some ground on the Minnesota Twins in that AL Central. So, again, Padres, today's lock of the day over the Pirates. The Phillies win over the Cubs, and the Guardians beat the Royals. There you go. Well, how you been doing this last uh, – now that we've gotten into the dog days of baseball, you uh, doing all right with your picks? Yeah, Did pretty solid. Your, that, is that updated? The, uh, the board? The year-long total, yeah. The year-long total is... Hey, what? You're doing pretty good, dude. Yeah, we're solid. I'm trying... So, the battle right now in the bonus picks is, are we going to get to 150 wins or 100 losses first? 83-48, lock of the day, isn't too bad. No, it's not too bad. Like, our uh, success rate is around 65%, which is not bad. But hopefully things start swinging our way towards the back end of the summer and into football. If if we can get that, I want to try and get us to 70% for a lock of the day and and keep us at 60% for bonus picks for the year, which if we're able to do that, that'd be really cool. But yeah, 83 and 48 for 2023 for locks of the day, and then 138 and 88 on bonus picks for the year so far. So... At least we're up total wise. We're not fighting to stay above five hundred. Right. So right. you're not uh, you're not putting the rent money out yet. No, <laughs> thankfully, <laughs> thankfully not. I know we've had a couple textures concerned, but it's we're, <laughs> we're all, all we're, right. we're all right. We're, we're okay. We're keeping an eye on them. But uh, real quick, there was some sad news throughout the sports world yesterday. Two different uh, sad sports stories. Uh, one of which being Jimmy Johnson, his um, nephew's parents, uh, both uh, passed away yesterday in an apparent. Murder suicide. That was a uh, a very shocking story. And then right after that was released, came out say, a report of Ryan Mallett, the former Arkansas quarterback, standout Arkansas quarterback. He was a Baltimore Raven. I mean, he had a, a fairly long NFL career. He passed away. Uh, he drowned in the ocean. He was swimming against a riptide. It pulled him out. I mean, they t- you've heard those stories time in and time again. But very, very sad and, uh, and very unexpected, especially the Ryan Mallett story. Yeah, both these are really tragic. The Jimmy Johnson story. First off, it's yeah, th- those are just awful reads. It was all- it was really bad. This reminds me of really similar to what happened back in 2007 with that Chris Benoit tragedy and everything that happened with that. 
it's it's rough. There, there's no really explainable way to go about it, and it's just rough. Just condolences to Jimmy Johnson's family. He's not racing this weekend in the NASCAR Cup Series for well obvious reasons, but just the uh, condolences to Jimmy Johnson and his family for. I mean, that that type of thing you really just don't know why right. or what happened or what was going on. But hopefully things all work their way out. But yeah, Ryan Mallett's story too really sad. Just. You you see this happen all the time. You'll hear a story about someone getting sucked in for a riptide. It's that's why it's really safe. And uh, I, gu- I guess this is a good time to say if you're going to the beach this summer, please be yeah, wary. Be careful. Please be wary and please be careful mm-hmm. in the water because there's the riptides do get really bad at this time of the year. And and re- really sad with Ryan Mallett too. Last I was reading, he was the head coach for a high school football team mm-hmm. too. So that that whole high school team is is probably in shambles right now. It's. Both really sad, absolutely really sad. Ryan mm. Mallett, he he did some really great things for Arkansas too. Was I think he's their best quarterback in their program history, personally. Two time All SEC, yeah, right. was was a really huge great arm, yeah, huge. Well, that's arm. the thing I remember about arm. him. And you were right, yeah, he was the head coach at Whitehall High School in Arkansas. Well, the thing I really only thing I remember about him was the fact that he was six six two fifty. I mean, he was a he was big, huge. huge big cat. I mean, then you're right, he had a strong arm. And played. He was a backup for Brady in New England. He was in uh, Houston for a little while, and then finished up his uh, career in Baltimore. He had uh, eight starts or eight appearances, rather two starts through 2017. Very sad news. But uh, got about a minute left here, fellas. Anything to lighten the mood a little bit? Yeah, Mountaineer fans need to keep an eye on this because in Puerto Rico, apparently two former WVU standouts and Jay Sean Page and Gary Brown are playing professionally, and they've teamed up with DeMarcus Cousins. <laughs> so that's going to be absolutely electrifying appointment basketball for the Puerto Rican Basketball League. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. What else you got, Park? Anything? Uh, a couple things, yeah. The uh, West Virginia all-time team defense and special teams will be up on PanhandleNewsNetwork.com later today. And also, if later on today, it's at, at around 10 o'clock, Hoppy will be on. He's got Warren Baker coming on talk line today. They're going to talk all things with Josh Allard hire, how the John Beeline deal, how that fell through and such. So a couple things for you if you want to hear more about that. Hoppy's got some scoop for you coming up at 10. See how Ren's feeling about that uh Taking the job. <laughs> Bet you he's starting to uh, not necessarily reconsider. Bet you, but, uh, <laughs> Bet you didn't expect all this, did you? He's going to retire at 50. Unreal, man. Unreal. Well, if you missed any of the show today, you can listen back to it a little bit later on on our Panhandle News Network, Facebook, and Spotify page. Panhandle Live is next. So, uh, yeah, have a good one. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here too.